All right, we are live. This is the late morning program with Nam Ross. This is episode 26. This is a live episode. We've never done this type of broadcast before, um, but we have with us Rajalila Mataji and Ekavira Prabhu. Hey, we have Jai Chaganath, who is a uh, who have had a, a number of conversations with, uh, and we we love to hear what he has to say. And we also have Kishore Gopal, my dear friend from Florida, uh, and we have a number of uh, generations here in the sense of we have uh, older devotees, we have a, a young two young devotees, but at the same time one grown up in Krishna consciousness and the ISKCON movement, and one who has joined Krishna consciousness. And so we want to just explore uh, the, the situation that's going right now in um, America and or throughout the world of the racism, the Black Lives Matter, through a Krishna conscious perspective. Uh, of course, we don't want to seem that we are being insensitive to anyone, to any community, but uh, we'd also like to uh, express how devotees or devotees of Krishna look at these situations, how we can be more compassionate, how we can be more um, thoughtful. And so I'd like to open it up uh, with the opening statement. I actually got a message from a friend who said, why did you choose these four, these uh, five, uh, four devotees? <laughs> so, so I'd like to go around maybe and just talk about that. Jai Jagannath, I know you have something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, with permission of Ekavir and Brajalila, I can kick it off. That's of um, yeah, when you first sent me that message, I have to admit that I was at first flattered <laughs> that they would think I was transcendent to the Bali concept of life. Um, I really appreciated their high estimation of me. Hashtag focus on the positive. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was kind of the first thing that stuck out to me as a joke. And the... The second thing that kind of stood out to me was that um, I found it interest. I found it an interesting statement because it seems to me that as a person, as a soul that has a black body, especially a black male body, I have I have what would be considered maybe a typical black male experience in terms of racism. I've also experienced a black community, and if it really is the case that I have had that experience and I transcended it then it seems that I'm the best person to talk about this situation <laughs> because of having previously been fully absorbed in the Bali concept of life and then later on having kind of transcended it. I, I don't know if that was the precise language. I forgot the precise language used. So I found it interesting that the, the comment, at least as it read to me, seemed to imply that I was not or we were not exactly good persons to talk about the subject matter precisely because we've gone beyond the Bali concept of life. Mm. Since that's not our starting position, it didn't make sense to me how that could be the case that someone who's fully in the Bali concept, who's fully um, immersed in those topics, or like fully entangled in that concept, how they would be more qualified to speak about an issue than someone who was first in that position and then out of that position. So that was kind of that was the thing that was kind of interesting for me about that. Right. Uh, Mataji and Prabhu, um, what, what, why do you think that I, I chose you to, or what, what has been your realization from what Jay Jagannath has been saying? It, actually, I have that question too. Why did you choose us? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, what, I'll, say, I'll say that. You know, 
I understand that um, you know, Bhaktivedanta Swami had had faced racism in mm. his career in Krishna consciousness, and yeah. you being his disciples, I feel that you can share your experiences and what you have to say, even though you may be uh, beyond beyond the bodily concept, as Jay Jagannath was saying. Yes. Um, so I think that. If you can share your Bhakti Maharaj's, and for those who don't know Bhakti Chidda Swami, he was an African-American uh, sannyasi or leader in our movement. He was a very prolific speaker and a, and a prolific preacher. And he touched so many people's lives, including mine and all the devotees here on this podcast. So uh, I feel that you can really uh, kind of bring his mood out in this mm. podcast. Uh, yeah. So yeah, to answer the question for you, I feel that's why I chose you. And Kishore uh, also, Kishore grew up as a devotee in in Iskon, and so that that perspective, I feel, would be really uh, beneficial. Kishore, if you want to add something on that, uh, sure. Um, yeah, I think that um, you know, as growing up in the movement and being in a black body. Uh, you know, it's, it's a different experience than what somebody might experience uh, as we think an African-American experiences. Uh, of course, you know, it's not that my experience is without racism. I have definitely experienced racism uh, within our own movement because, to be honest, I have hardly any much connection with the secular world. Right. And so, so <laughs> I think, yeah, just kind of a different perspective uh, a different experience of racism that you know not everybody maybe and and I know there are those who can relate to my experience of growing up in the movement and experiencing racism as opposed to being a devotee out in the world and experiencing racism and so uh, yeah you know it, it's, a, it's a different experience but the kind of ideas may be similar Right. Okay. Great. Thank you. So I'm going to start off. Um, what do you feel is the responsibility of devotees at this time? Uh, maybe Ikavir and Rajalia you can start that off. What do you feel is the responsibility of devotees at this time, whether whether African-American or not? That's a big topic. And we can make the whole podcast about that. <laughs> um, yeah. Taking responsibility, that, that's definitely at the foundation of what we want to understand. The question that we asked earlier regarding um, you inviting us, what I was thinking at that time when I, when I hear Prabhu mentioned it to me was, um, you know, because many of us have been involved before we came to Krishna consciousness in some form, you know, of, 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 dealing with things in the in the world and myself I, I i was in berkeley during a time of many riots and many different things going on so we have some experience um firsthand you know and so when uh, so i was just really really um excited and encouraged by you um taking on this huge responsibility to bring this kind of awareness to to different people that are listening today because that's the first step in responsibility this is what you're doing by your example and because of that we will be able to prayerfully share some things that can make a difference with some of the people that are listening thank you thank you very much uh jay what do you feel is the responsibility of the at this time I can't say. 
and I don't know if it's fair for anyone to put the pressure on any one individual to say that this is a responsibility at this time. Um, you spoke about in the beginning that we're going to share the Christian conscious perspective. And I would probably edit that by saying we'll share a Christian conscious perspective at best. Um, of course, due to our different adhikar, our different qualifications and development in bhakti, we have a different subjective understanding even of scripture and how scripture is to be applied. And therefore, I always found it interesting, even when you're hearing from devotees about Prabhupada, you hear you get a very different image of Prabhupada from different disciples because of their own subjective achievement in Christian consciousness. And so when we're talking about the Christian conscious perspective, well, is there any one, the Christian conscious perspective, or is it a Christian conscious perspective? Um, so on a personal level, I don't know precisely what is the responsibility of the devotee community at large, aside from whatever I've learned from Prabhupada in terms of distributing compassion by helping persons connect to Krishna and gradually be off the body concept of life. Now how that manifests itself on practical levels can look very different. It could just be like distributing prasadam, going out and doing harinam. Maybe it's just holding space for persons who need to vent out some of their frustrations due to the circumstances. How that compassion is distributed may vary from devotee to devotee, mm. but I can't think of any other way of contributing to the situation in the right now other than by um, yeah, the distribution of compassion by connecting people to Krishna uh, and gradually removing them from the body concept of life. I, I do have in my picture, this is a quick thing, and I'm sorry to run on. No, no, no. Because I've personally been dealing with a lot of tension on this subject matter for the last week because of I have very strong views about everything, and I usually um, pride myself. Not This is not a good thing, by the way, but I usually pride myself by having a educated, because this is a word that's been going around a lot these days, <laughs> I, I, educated in, as far as what Bhagavan says about situations and how we might view them. And in the course of this week, I realized that there's a way that these things like personally affect us on the one hand. And then on the other hand, there's this sort of, this sort of obligation to act in relationship to the greater whole. And according to the society that you surround yourself with, whether it's a devotional society or otherwise, there's a social obligation to respond to things in a very particular way. And that social obligation may be at odds with how you're personally impacted by things. So that creates a tension. And then on top of that, you have the plethora of perspectives of how you should respond to things. And so you're like trying to navigate the pl plethora of perspectives and that creates more tension. And then on top of that, and this is this is only going to be for a smaller minority. You have people who actually know scripture, who've actually studied it, and you're trying to like bring that element into their psyche as well. And so all that taken together, this is my personal experience. It's been arresting, so that I'm not able to act in any way, you know, because it's like, well, do I do this? Do I go with this? And well, whose perspective do I follow? And so the feeling's been very much like arrested. And so I, that's where my answer is. Like, I can't say definitively that this is the best thing to do. Um, but if I have to do something right away, then I'm going to do what I'm accustomed to doing and trying to connect people to Krishna in my own small way. Kishore, what, what do you think 
devote how do you think devotees should react? What are the responsibilities of, of devotees of Krishna at this time? Um from your perspective, your realization, it doesn't you don't have to, you know, um just kind of you know, what is your yeah, what is your perspective on that? Yeah. Well something that I think about is you know when we talk about um devotees you know, I, I, I've seen more and more lately that, that there's a lot of anxiety about, <clears throat> you know, devotees kind of throwing philosophy at people and not really being sensitive to how they feel. And I feel like there's something to that. I think that you know, how Jai Jagannath was saying, people's uh, uh, ideas about solutions come from their own experiences as well. And so um, I think that devotees, when we experience when we have experiences of having the philosophy thrown at us and not being heard, not feeling cared for, not feeling uh, valued, then we begin to, I feel like that kind of, um, you can say, mindset develops that devotees don't have, uh, you know, the devotees are just going to throw philosophy and that we really need to remember to be compassionate. And something that I think is that if uh, you know these qualities of compassion and empathy and like this, these are all qualities of a Vaishnava. Right. But we we maybe have not uh, spent enough time to actually uh, meditate on that, or I can say for myself to to imbibe those qualities. And we kind of we're separating the philosophy of the Vaishnava from the behavior of the Vaishnava. And so uh, I think we need to reconnect those two things because as we see from our own contemporary uh, Vaishnava leaders and from our Vaishnava Acharyas, that they exemplify these qualities. And so I think within our own, for me growing up in the movement, when I see these uh, things going on, I think about also in our own movement, you know, how, you know, these things go on and how there has I've seen, I think there's a lack of, of taking care of our devotees. I think that, um, that we haven't really, uh, really come together as communities to really support each other. And that lack of care for devotees engenders, uh, made it maybe a little bit of, um, maybe mistrust or, or a feeling that, you know, uh, yeah, kind of just like, you know, throwing the book at people. And so um, I feel like something that I want to kind of um, bring up is how, you know, by practicing as devotees, by practicing consciousness in its totality, which includes imbibing the qualities of a devotee, you know, and so in that way, you know, to be able to connect with people, you know, I, I've seen all in my experiences of how just by connecting with somebody, and hearing them and listening to them, these are not things that are divorced from Vaishnava culture. Um, you know, it's, it's very much within our culture to to support each other and to love each other and to hear each other. And I think that we need to kind of bring that culture uh, more to the forefront. And, um, you know, I think that's something that can be very powrful. Right. Hey, Kavira Prabhu, please yes. comment on what you feel the responsibility of devotees are at this time. Yes. Well, I um, such wonderful responses that the devotees have made 
already and it covers uh, pretty much the whole gambit. Um, um, I think it's important to, to not uh, have a certain expectation that all devotees are going to respond to different external stimuli, stimuli in the same way, external crisis in the same way. Right. So um, some devotees may consider that they want to somehow uh, help by going out and physically protesting in a march. Some devotees may consider that they want to, you know, become more introspective and see what they're doing that uh, could contribute to such a mindset out in the external society. Some devotees may want to, you know, um, you know, do what you're doing and actually educate, you know, people and to become more aware of, uh, you know, what's going on in the society and also um, what we can actually do. Because it's such a overwhelming subject. I mean, uh, we were talking about racism, but I mean, racism is just a, how could I say, a, um, just a symptom of a deeper problem. <laughs> you know, so this is just one aspect. And so it's important to, to accept that devotees are different. Devotees are different. At the same time, it's important that devotees utilize their Krishna consciousness principles in whatever way that we are trying to actually make some impact on society. Hmm. Remember the principles and apply those principles. So the first and foremost thing, what can we actually, what is our responsibility is, is to actually be an example of compassion and and empathy and love, you know, those things, to be those, to be that example. And so how can we actually make a genuine impact on another person's life if we are actually uh, having challenges implemented in, in our own life and in our own communities? So that's very important. Thank you. Um, Rajalila Mataji, please, please comment. Yeah. So I like to look at the bigger picture and what we're dealing with here. You know, actually, to be honest, most devotees don't really understand um, so much about the history, you know, of different cultures in our country. Most of us don't take the time to really um, try to learn about, you know, just, just basically basic aspects of different cultures. And we are a very diverse institution and so that's something I believe is, is very necessary. Um, devotees are not educated in, you know, the construct of racism. They're not educated in the structure of racism. They're, they, they don't, many devotees, many have knowledge and many don't. And, and I believe we need to all become more educated as you're, as, as Ekebe Pooh said, you're, you're, you're making a platform for that that we can all, you know, assist each other to become more, more educated. So we have a disease in our world, and that is to be understood. There is a disease, and this is a disease of fragmentation. And this disease of fragmentation needs to be understood from, be, from what we, we call ourselves devotees. However, we are aspiring devotees, and we live in this world of fragmentation. 
we live in it, we experience it, and we need to be able to talk about it. And we need to, need to be able to have allies that can support us in our speaking about it. And so therefore, what I see is a responsibility at this time is to be able to share our truths and to be able to do it in a safe and accepted place that my truth is relevant and it has importance. And I believe when we can kind of start developing these safe places to be able to talk as you're doing now, that will that will help us to start really kind of breaking down these these different things that exist in society no matter what. They've been in existence in time immemorial. They will continue to exist. Yes, Prabhupada Books has helped us to be able to move beyond it. We have millions of our brothers and sisters that are not able to able to be able to understand even just the beginning of this, unless they get some mercy. So unless we are willing, and it's not just on the black body, the community, it's on everybody. Everybody needs to take responsibility for making the, for bringing awareness to the plight of everybody in any, in any body that we may have. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely relevant now to the African-American body because historically that's who has experienced, you know, in America, at least historically, this is what most African-Americans have experienced. And we may step back and we may say, well, you know, it doesn't relate to us. We're, we're like devotees, you know, this is karma, you know, this, you know, just take Krishna consciousness. We, we're not the body, fine, all good, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what, tell me what happens when I walk out of the temple and when I have to walk and go to my job, tell me what happens then in the, in the body that I may have, whatever, you know, whatever woman's body, male's body, you know, brown body, whatever. Tell me about that. People don't understand, they don't understand this. And this is the beginning, I believe, of our Krishna conscious movement. I really like love that our young, young, young devotees are bringing this more to the awareness of, of, our, of people in our institution. So I don't want to go on and on. However, no, I, I do, I do, I do. I'm grateful to you, Namras Prabhu and Ananda Vrindavan that's bringing these topics to, 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 for us to talk about them. Sure. We can talk yeah. about them. Okay, so um, I see a lot of uh, activity in the comment section. Let's, 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 uh, let's take some questions from the comments here. Uh, Deva Madhava says, what would each of you ask of the institution? Is there anything the formal ISKCON body sh could, should, shouldn't be doing from here on related to the emotions issues of this discussion? Jai Jagannath, why don't you answer that first? Um, I can't say. <laughs> oh, I, might, I might be saying this a lot. I mean, I can't say if we should be doing more than what's already happening. I guess there's a component just speaking to with um, Mother Brejlita brought up. There's a sense of there needs to be greater education. And that's a word that's been used a lot even in conventional conversations. There needs to be more education about these things. Um, I guess I have a, I, I often wonder, um, is the education of teaching persons that they're not the body, et cetera, all that goes along with that, is that not sufficient? And the reason I wonder that is because when you speak about suffering in this world, the way suffering is experienced subjectively is basically uniformed. Although when you're looking at suffering objectively, you can like size it up 
that this one is worse than that because of the situation. But as far as the subjective experience of suffering is concerned, it's basically experienced in a very uniform way. Um, I often mention this quote, it comes from Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. It's a pretty popular book about his experiences in the Nazi camps. And he mm -hmm. talks about suffering as gas entering a gas chamber. And he gives this comparison that when gas enters a chamber, no matter how big or small the chamber is, the gas fills the chamber uniformly. And the same way when gas enters the, excuse me, the gas of suffering enters the chamber of our psyche, it fills up the psyche uniformly. So everyone thinks that their suffering is really terrible, even if objectively speaking, it's not as terrible as someone else's. So I, I guess what I've learned from Bhagavad Gita is that understanding that suffering is subjectively experienced in a uniform way. The education is about how to empathize with that through Christian conscious principles and how to remove the suffering of samsara essentially the suffering that is generated by our ignorance and by our turning away from God. And I feel like if devotees, it, it, it seemed to me that our education in Christian consciousness, if that's actually happening, I think that could be a whole nother subject matter in and of itself. You know, our movement being said, this is a movement of education and maybe ain't that much education going on in terms of even our own philosophy and tradition. Um, just taking for granted that that's happening, then I wouldn't see why that wouldn't be enough for a person to empathize with the suffering of anyone in any condition. And I guess speaking to Kishore Ghost Paul's point, it seems that maybe our education, we haven't done well enough to, we know like the gist of the philosophy or we know some talking points of the philosophy, but we've yet to embody the philosophy in such a way that it demonstrates that this education is actually sufficient. But as far as, Theoretically speaking, it seems to me that this would be a sufficient type of education. You know, if everyone really understood we were spirit souls, could there be racism? If everyone really empathized with the plight of souls that are turned away from God, could you not feel for anyone and everyone in all their conditions of life, including the animal species and so on? So I, I couldn't suggest, I, I, yeah, I don't see what I would suggest more of the institution in terms of this like particular scenario. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I personally would say that um, I think a message of compassion, of support is definitely needed in these times from, from the uh, society. Let's take another question here from Mukunda Russell. I appreciate Ikavir Prabhu's point that different devotees will respond differently. I think everyone can appreciate this point. Why then are some devotees being called out for being insensitive when they choose to preach a purely transcendental message? This is a very good question. You sure, do you, do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I think you're reading the question. Do you feel that some people are being called insensitive for preaching the message of Krishna consciousness during this time when they should be sensitive to, uh, you know, sensitive to uh, what's going on in the sense of we can't ignore that there is racism in America. We can't ignore uh, African-Americans have been dis disenfranchised for so many uh, generations. So so do you feel that you do? You, uh, so let me put up the question again. Do you, why are devotees, some devotees being called out? 
as in says, I, I guess Mukunda feels that he's uh, he, he has experienced that maybe, or he has heard that people are doing are, are saying that. So, what would you what would you what what are your views on that? Yeah, I think I've thought about this as well. You know, um, something that I've been noticing lately, uh, especially on you know on social media. It sometimes seems somewhat of a little bit of a war ground of opinions where, you know, different people have different opinions. And I've been seeing how, you know, the response to other people sharing opinions that may not be appreciated can be quite uh, maybe intense. You know, it, it, you know, I think when we cross the line to maybe you know, insulting people or maybe criticizing them harshly, it, it kind of blurs the line between is it a discussion or if it's just kind of like, you know, a, a kind of um, just kind of like fighting. You know? And for me, it's like, it's a little bit, um, again, because going back to, you know, different people may share different ways. And yes, you know, I think that um, it's understandable how people may see it as insensitive but i feel like to something that i personally have kind of take issue with if with some people are kind of maybe felt that they need to be silenced because of opinions that they share and i think it's maybe a little bit unfair because um if there's only one particular way to think and you're only allowed to have a particular opinion and if you say something else, you'll be criticized and, you know, kind of alienated from others, from the majority. It seems like then our message becomes a little bit, I don't know, it, it seems to be a little bit mixed. Because we're, on one hand, we're saying that, you know, we're, we're trying to be compassionate with these people, but we're also, in a sense, kind of disrespecting our fellow devotees. And while it's okay to have a discussion about, you know, uh, differing opinions, I feel like it's kind of gone off the deep end in some ways, um, from at least from what I'm seeing. And so I feel like, you know, uh, and, and you know, it's like, I can say that, you know, there are some black people who are against Black Lives Matter, as unbelievable as it may seem. And I'm not talking about like devotees, like there are people out, you know, in the political world. I don't really study these things very deeply, but I've seen there are black people who are not, who are against Black Lives Matter. There are black people who, against you know what the majority of popular opinion is and be that be that as it may i don't have an opinion about that but i just think it's like in the endeavor to try to do good and we're kind of inadvertently you know kind of dismissing uh, people because of their opinion it seems a little bit uh, not hypocritical but it's just a little bit um hard to digest you know and so Again, when I come back to as devotees, you know, it's like when we try to discuss the things that happen in the world, I think it's also important to remember try to dealing trying to deal with each other as devotees and not dehumanizing people because of a difference of opinion. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you. Let's take another question. Um, can I answer that question? Would, yes. Can I give some light yes. on that question? Yes, yes, yes thank you. Yeah. Because it really is important to stay chase to our philosophy. It right. is important. It is important yeah. that we um, 
definitely share the principles of our philosophy. That's like the most important thing. Right. However, we don't want to just be limited, you know, in a little cocoon with that. We, we want to do that because, you know, in our scriptures really is all, a lot of the most of the answers for everything that we're dealing with. Just just this morning, I was giving class and it was really wonderful to see how Advaita Acharya, Lord Shiva, Prahlad Maharaj, what do they all have in common? What is it that they all have in common? They have given themselves to really trying to make a difference on the planet with, with, with conditioned souls. Mm. That's, their, that's their life. That's what they gave their life for. And so we, we can't negate that principle. That is our life. That's our lifeline. Our duty as spiritualists is to be able to act in the mood of Prahlad Maharaj, to understand why Adwaita Acharya was called Right to understand to, to understand why Sadashiva took that position of 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 Advaita Acharya took that as a Advaita Acharya. We need to understand these things so that we can understand what is our mission. Our mission is like we are spiritual revolutionaries, and as spiritual revolutionaries, we can't just sit as spiritualists, pseudo spiritualists. And we can't just be comfortable in our with our own dogmas, our own rituals. These are some things that I was thinking about just uh, in that topic. We can't just, you know, just be like, okay, I'm being a contemplative spiritualist. And, you know, the concerns of the world are just not so important, right? That I just focus on my own internal peace, that I just want to be comfortable. And I'm not saying that I myself might fall in that category sometimes because, you know, it's it's intense to be dealing with this material stuff. No, who, who really want to deal with it? You know, really, it's just like chewing the chew, as Prabhupada said. But we need to become aware. We need to become that it's not our, only our theology, our institution, you know, because otherwise this is gonna kind of bring egocentricity, right? And this is really not creating a connectiveness that we're all looking for. We all need this. We need to be connected. We're a diverse institution. And if we're not connected with the tenets of our philosophy, then, then, then this fragmentation will also be in our institution, and it is. Very well. Can I jump on that really quick? Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm jump, piggybacking on everything, really. I just wanted to echo specifically with Kishore because I, I can definitely relate to that. Where, and I mentioned this earlier. There's sort of, sort of social pressure to respond in a very specific way, not taking into account individual experiences, individual realizations and people's own individual traumas that may prevent them from responding to certain situations. But there's like a social pressure, it's definitely created through social media to respond in a certain way. So much so that even a person like me, I have a black man body. Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I have black male experiences, like the typical ones that you hear about, where I you know, experienced a lot of racism from elementary school all the way up until high school. High school was a lot better but I have a lot of very vivid experiences of that. I also have a lot of very vivid experiences of the black community. Having had my, the context of my own experience, also the context of having been into kind of like black issues for a time growing up, because my mom was really, we were like the blacks that had the, the, the African flag on the wall and you know, you were wear the dashiki and you know, <laughs> we, were, we were kind of like that for a time. And so having 
grown up with very real experiences as a black man on the side of racism and also on the side of the black community. When a person like me says, hey, you know, this is how I understand a solution to these problems. From the context of my very real experiences of these things, then because it doesn't match or it may not match the, the social pressure to have a very particular response, mm -hmm. then I've gotten, you know, private messages and some, some little backlash that you're, you know, spiritual bypassing or it's like, how can I spiritual bypass? I have an actual real experience of this. Right. And I, I've sat with it. I've thought about it for a long time. It's disturbed me for a while. And then I came to this conclusion. How is it a spiritual bypass? It's just a different perspective. So anyway, Thank I just you. want to throw in jump on that. Um, let's take another question. Uh, Bal Gopal Das, what's the proper devoted response when you say Black Lives Matter and then they retort all lives matter? In a society saying that all lives matter seems to whitewash Black Lives Matter. Ekavira Prabhu, do you have any uh, response for this? Hmm. Well, uh, let's see. Black Lives Matter. If the retort is all lives matter, um, then I guess the point that I would make is that we have to consistently see how we can convert energy or to make allies. So if someone were to say all lives matter, then we also can say, well, yes, then you shouldn't have a problem with me saying that Black Lives Matter. It's all encompassed under your actual, you know, your title, All Lives Matter. Right. I have a, you know, I have, of course, as Jajanganath uh, Babu uh, was expressing, being in an African male body, I have an experience of, um, you know, being in an African male body inside the institution as well as out. And we live in the rural areas in Pennsylvania. And, you know, my wife has concern oftentimes because I go out into this area and you meet with people that seem like, you know, they just come off the scenes of the Duck Dynasty uh, episode with all the fatigues and long beards and, you know, the uh, what is it, uh, Confederate flags. Um, and I'd have to say that my life experience from being in Louisiana, going to school and meeting members of the Ku Klux Klan, and I met a, um, the actual leader of the Ku Klux, one of the segments of the Ku Klux Klan at that point in time. And so, and I didn't even know it at that point. Someone just brought it to my attention. That's That was actually the leader of the Ku Klux Klan. So, wow. So, um, looking back on those experiences and coming into Krishna consciousness helps me to relate to uh, people who may say all lives matter. See, the thing is, is that the, 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 um, the way I see it, the solution to racism is not going to come from persons in the black community. It's not going to come from that. It's going to come from educating people of all particular categories. And see, even the, the term racism, racism is a social construct that has been developed to divide and conquer the masses of people. Wow. And, and in ba basically, this is one of those things that distract uh, people from dealing with their own basic humanity. And then when dealing with the basic home, home humanity, then they can be, become more receptive to hearing that they are actually, you know, um, Brahmasmi, that they are actually the soul. 
If we don't deal with the basic humanity of people, you won't be able to solve racism, sexism, genderism, and all these other things, because everyone has the same basic needs. The same, what I saw in that uh, person, looking back in retrospect, in Louisiana, the leader of the Ku Klux Klan, and when I go out into these different areas, uh, meeting people that would be considered, as they call them, rednecks, you know, if I didn't try to go beneath the externals, then I couldn't relate. I would just function in fear, you know, everywhere I go. And if we relate on that level, trying to go to the humanity, trying to see that this person has some of the basic needs. They just have strategies which are uh, considered, you know, bad, unhealthy strategies because they don't have the emotional intelligence to articulate what's what's going on inside. And so they act out in these particular ways. They act out in racist ways. Right. So uh, first of all, when someone retorts in that way, seeing how we can somehow make a connection, go beneath and connect with the humanity. And uh, by doing so, we'll find that we can actually develop more allies in many different communities. Hmm. Does anyone have anything to add before I go on to the next question? The, the comment section is is uh, blowing up. I need um, <laughs> I can I can keep going. Okay, we we'll keep going if any, uh, no one has anything else. Uh, is it not is it not disempowering to black-bodied folks to focus on how African Americans are victimized? Wasn't that Prabhupada's message to? Bhaktitirtha Swami, when he pointed out racism in ISKCON. Anyone want to comment on that? I, I have I have so much to say on that. Maybe, brother, there you can start. No, no, please, Judge Aganaprabhu, I would love to hear you comment on this. Yes, yes. <laughs> and also, Gopal. Yes. Yeah. Well, sure. I'm going to, maybe I'll just leave it in in a summary form, because um, I'm not trying to upset anyone or anything, but I often wonder this also, that you know, to be a, a victim of something is also a type of identity, or it can be, it can become a type of identity. And um, particularly I've had, cause this whole week I've been having conversations with a lot of my black friends, naturally, it just naturally happened. And we're calling each other, we're talking about the situation and um, one thing that's come up for me is that on a personal level is that when you're, I feel like systemic racism becomes this sort of like amorphous um, behemoth that's always used as a scapegoat whenever there's any problem in the black community. Or whenever, you know, if I'm suffering from something, it's because of systemic racism. And I'm not always sure how you can tell when something is due to systemic racism and when something is due to not taking responsibility for your own life. And when you see, like for me at least, when I look at the modern world and you see a lot of blacks also have become successful. And so it's like, okay, how did they get around this problem of systemic racism? I, I wonder. So how much of it is, um, at what point is a person need to be held accountable for the decisions that they're making in their life that's leading to their difficulties? And having satisfied fulfillment of their responsibilities to themselves, then can we explore fairly the other options of why things are going wrong in the community? 
Um, as a person who also grew up without a father, I often wonder about the relationship of fatherless homes and the decline of, you know, the, the, and the decline of the black community. So it's like all these factors that can come into play that leads to the decline of any community, what to speak of the black community. And I, I often feel that the conversation, we get like zooming on this one aspect, which is an important aspect that should not be downplayed, it should be understood. People may need to be educated about it and so on. But we zoom in on this one aspect that we don't consider other factors that plays into a person not being successful in their life. The, many of which are just very human factors of not showing up to your responsibilities and other sorts of factors, as I mentioned, follow the songs and so on can come up into the formula. And I guess what I wanna say in conclusion is that each of these, when you're looking at any problem, there can be many elements to it that's leading to the problem. And maybe this movement is focusing on one aspect of the problem. So for that, it's commendable in that particular focus. But there needs to be other focuses also in solving a problem if there's gonna be a, a positive, sustainable solution. And I often feel that this one problem gets all the attention and all the other problems that face a particular demographic, because well, we're talking about that in this context, gets completely ignored. And persons don't have to take responsibility for that. So anyway, just my, I have a lot of thoughts on this too. So. But Jalila Mataji, would you like to comment? Is it okay to have Kishore? Okay, okay. Kishore, please. <laughs> uh, the question's up on the board here. Do you, is it not disempowering? I think, um, I can speak for myself. When I think about, you know, um, you know, uh, what I have to offer, when I think about my talents, when I think about my potential, when I think about, you know, uh, the qualities that I have that are, can affect people in a positive way, I feel like it would be limiting for me to say, the only reason I have that is because uh, I'm black. Um, you know, and, and I feel like, you know, and, and for me also, I think to live, and this is why I can, I really can empathize with people who have been suffering in this way. For me to think uh, to myself, to live with the feeling that I'm always a, a, a kind of, um, you know, like a victim of oppression, that people are out to get me, that there's systems that are against me. There's a very, uh, painful way of life. And so I, I can definitely empathize with that. And I feel like as a devotee, I've been able to get a more wholesome um, experience of, of maybe identity, because I feel that I identify not only as a person in a black body, I identify as a devotee as well. And that gives me a sense of confidence that even when I have experienced racism and people have made comments about me about the color of my skin or about the proportions of you know different parts of my body and all these kind of things which are extremely hurtful, but I was able to to manage that in some way by by feeling more that I'm more than that, and I feel like as devotees, that's something I feel for myself. That's something I would like to share is helping people. To, because if you think about, you know, if you think about um, the world and we look at the world and it's like, you don't, it's hard to see, you know, just taking the world as it is, especially when we take out God consciousness. 
uh, you know, it's it's hard to see a, a, any way out. You know, because especially when you consider these kinds of things like racism have been happening for decades. And it can be hard to see if there's any way out at all. It seems like the suffering continues and sometimes we get a little attraction. Somebody, um, you know, uh, a black man gets killed by police and they, we do protests and then you know, it happens again and it can feel like this will never end. And the Christian consciousness presents that there is an alternative experience available outside of this kind of trap of the material world. And, 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 and I, don't, I don't want it to sound like it's just philosophy, but when we actually really, you know, for religious people, understanding that there is somewhere to go out of this world, that gives a lot of, of, of hope in that, because in this material world, we, in, in a sense, there is no shelter. Uh, when we look at, the, you know, we see how, you know, you know, we can say, you know, the president has done so many horrible things and you know, the, the system has done so many horrible things. And it's like, we can't depend on them. We can't depend on them for our shelter. And because they have, they have neglected their duties as leaders of society. And so then what is, what is our alternative if there is no life after death, if there's nowhere else to go, and we simply have to live and die in the uh, experience of being, uh, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, preyed upon by society. And so I feel like, you know, the, the, for me, I think I personally feel like I don't want to be limited by being labeled a victim of systemic oppression. I feel like I'm more than that. I feel like I have more to achieve. I feel like that I'm, I'm, and I want to share that with other people because, you know, it's, you know, we can address what is going on in the world, but it doesn't end there. Because when these people, when we die, you know, in this lifetime, I may be able to alleviate the suffering of another person. And that's very good. But when they die and they move to their next life, I'm not going to be around to, to, to stand up for them. I'm not going to be around to protest for them. I'm not going to be around to, to try to uh, mitigate their suffering. Wow. So what is, it that offer, what is it that I can offer, you know, to put it in a poetic way that they can remember me by? What is it that I can offer that they can take with them when they leave from this world? Because there's no guarantee that they won't have an even worse experience in their next life. You, you know? So for me, I feel like to say that we are only uh, to limit our identity as only being, uh, you know, uh, yeah. So for me, I feel like the 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 hope and the confidence of spiritual life of God consciousness gives is that there's something more, and that we have something to look to and motivation to to not only um, uh, try to um, improve the, the uh, situation of others by sharing uh, Christian consciousness. And you know, when I say Christian consciousness, it doesn't just mean philosophy. The philosophy is extremely important, but as Vaishnavas, we have to live the philosophy. And that speaks to our interactions with people and how we deal with them. And so, so yeah, I, I think that, um, yeah, there's something to, to kind of that limiting mentality that we don't want to kind of 
push on people. You know, I wouldn't like people trying to, you know, convince me that I'm a victim of, mm -hmm. of oppression and that people hate me and that people want me to 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 suffer and they want me to. I I feel like, you know, and so while we can we must address these issues, I think we shouldn't stop there. I think that we need to give people an alternative because we cannot depend on the system to change. We can't depend because it's Kali Yuga. You know, we have imperfect senses, cheating propensity, tendency to make mistakes, and tendency to be illusioned. How can you depend on somebody like that? <laughs> I wouldn't want to depend on somebody like that. And so we have to give an alternative for, for people to find shelter elsewhere. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Rajalila, would you like to add upon that? Yes. <laughs> thank you, Kishira Prabhu, and thank you, Jai Jagannath. Thank you so very much for both of your comments because they're so stabilizing. And um, yeah, you know, there's a saying that that's um, that I that I kind of think maybe has some relevancy to what I'm going to share because I, I, I firstly I'd like to thank that person that asked that question. Um, because this is a this is a program for education and awareness, and so every question here is is valued, very important, and we appreciate all of your questions and specifically questions that might, you know, may that could possibly um, trigger different things in in may perhaps any of us here. So um, there is a saying that says, you know, you wouldn't. You wouldn't go fight a person that has a gun with a slingshot. You, you know what a slingshot is? Yeah. Yeah. So you so yeah, you you know, you 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 would need to have something a little comparable to 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 fighting that person. So yes, you know, if the, the message the question you had about Bhaktitir Tamaraj. Bhaktitir Tamaraj, when he um, asked that question of Srila Prabhupada, it's because he saw in the he saw that there was racism in the community that he was a part of, and when he saw that, it was disturbing. And Srila Prabhupada, what he told him is, "You are no better than them if you stoop to their level." He didn't deny that that was happening in the institution. What he did was empower him to own who he was then and who he became later, right? He empowered him like that. And so all of us need to have that kind of empowerment to be able to understand first, we are spirit souls, we're not these bodies. That's, that's like ABC of bhakti. And we need to have that because otherwise we're going to go out there with a slingshot. <laughs> At the same time, we need to become educated about the plight of people and what they're experiencing. Otherwise, you know, I was thinking of Lord Shiva and the kind of people that he made himself available to, you know, like, I don't know if somebody was to ask me to go and, deal with, you know, the Buddhas, I say, no, no way, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of like we, as devotees, we, we need to be able to 
like yes first have that understanding um and then as 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 kishore is saying we need to practice we need to practice this we need to put it into practice and the best way that we can put it into practice is by in our institution specifically is by learning some things about each other that we may not know and that's individual each person needs to take responsibility for that Right? It's not, it's just like Namarasa. He took responsibility to bring this program to everyone. So each and every one of us need to do that. We need to look at ourselves and see, hey, what are my thoughts about all these things that are, these things are going on for a reason. Everything is going on. Krishna is the cause of all causes. Everything is going on. And this is the best thing that could possibly happen for a spiritualist because it's like, whoa, now I have an opportunity to be able to show what is really important. But we know we, we need to connect to be able to do that. So what are we gonna connect with? How are we gonna connect? That's my question. So thank you very much, very, very much for that question. And yes, Matatir Tamaraj was not a victim, never have been a victim. And none of us, you know, it's very interesting to me when we, as soon as somebody gets a voice, they're called victims mm -hmm. and that's, a part of the fragmentation is designed to be like that. Right, right. Thank you so much. Akavira, uh, do you have anything to add? Um, I think you all have covered that so beautifully. Okay, okay great. Um, let's see. There is a lot of activity that I can't keep up with. <laughs> Uh, oh, okay. Um, my brother-in-law had a great comment here. Uh, my brother-in-law, Venkata uh, Bhattadas, uh, if I, I can't find it now, but he said, uh, he said something that we, we can say, okay, we, uh, you know, we, we, we want to become past this body and we're not this body, but we shouldn't tell someone that you're not this body so you shouldn't experience so you shouldn't uh you know think like that because you're not this body that's that's not a, a correct way of using that phrase we're not this body is is essentially what he was saying i i, I can't find it at the at the moment but um it's at 153 oh yeah i see it now okay here we go i am not this body or i am more than just my body or mine is a beautiful and powerful idea that hopefully comes from a place of genuine realization of my ultimate spiritual identity. It is a statement in the first person. Responding to suffering of others by saying, you are not your body, is not preaching transcendental philosophy purely on focusing on the spiritual. It is not even an accurate reflection of the bhakti paradigm. It is intellectual laziness and it gets cut off because, uh, also if you want it, if you want to see your comments, uh, try to keep it concise. I can keep put it all on the screen. I can't put it, everything on the screen, but that, that's a great point, I, I feel. Uh, it's, like, it's like when someone has a relative that dies, and then you go up to them, well, you know, they're not their body. Right. And then it's like, that's a very true statement, but the context, you know, there could have been a little bit more sensitivity there. Right, exactly. So, can I share something on that? Yes, yeah. please, please get short. Um, so, First, I, I, I just want to make it very, I mean, just from my experience that, like, I personally am not above the bodily concept of life in no shape or form. 
I, I, when someone says a racist thing about me, I feel very hurt. And you know, when when I'm treated a particular way because of the joy of my body, it's painful. You know, and and outside of racism, you know, I've experienced loneliness, I've experienced depression, I've experienced feeling abandoned by Krishna. I've experienced I've gone through so many phases of ups and downs in my life. And some which have been not so bad and some which have been extremely intense. And so, you know, when I feel that I don't want to identify with those things, it's not because I think I'm not my body. It's because I've been treated differently by more people than I've been treated wrongly. I've received love and care from more people than from people who have treated me wrongly. And that love and care is what gives me confidence in who I am. And so I think that that um, culture of love is what has supported me for you know the people who I've been fortunate to have around me that not everybody has. And so I think, you know, uh, I think, yes, we should not be telling people that they're not their body because I think it's, uh, and I, I think something about, you know, uh, Christian consciousness is that it's more than just we're not our body. You know, when we're trying to help people, you know, when I think about trying to help myself uh, in this way, uh, it's like, it's because I have an identity that is, that is, uh, you know, I, I have, you know, growing up in Christian consciousness, you know, we develop a, a unique identity, which we feel, I know for myself, I feel, gives me, you know, that I can, I can sing and I can, I can do this and I can do that and I can use my talents and I'm appreciated for my talents. And that is what gives me a sense of, of confidence and not really that I don't think, you know, that I'm above the bodily concept of life. So I think when we can try to create that culture of of appreciation and the culture of, of care is is because that is the behavior of a Vaishnava. And so it's like again, like there's the philosophy and then there's how we behave with each other as well. Yeah, and so uh, this is something that I've been thinking about. I also just to jump in on that. Um, I saw I wonder about this as well. Narana Muni in the Bhagavatam, he has different ways of preaching to different personalities. So when you encounter him in the first canto, he tells um, Vyasadeva that all your work is, you know, con verily condemned, is how Prabhupada translates it. And I can imagine that being very painful because if I write a post on Facebook and someone dislikes it, you know, I'm like pain like anything. So I can't imagine writing the Vedas and then being condemned by my guru. And then Aramuni, when he goes to the, was it the Haryashtras? Then mm -hmm. he gets a riddle. And that was sufficient to preach to them. When he goes to um, Prachina Barhisha in the fourth canto, he tells an allegory. So he has different ways of communicating the, prince, the conclusions of bhakti to different personalities. And it seems like what we're talking about, how should, how should we communicate to those who are experiencing suffering and lamentation? And I think um, obviously that I'm not the body approach may or may not be good in a particular context. But I want to also bring up that Krishna, when Arjuna was dealing with his own um, feeling of ego fragmentation in the first chapter of Gita, Krishna's response to that was that you're not the body. So I also find that to be interesting. 
Um, because especially at least the way Prabhupada's purport reads, Arjuna was feeling, he was feeling deeply distraught. And then he gets from Krishna, of course, that was also in the context of Arjuna actually surrendering to Krishna. So that can't be forgotten also. He's surrendering to Krishna. He's asking to be instructed. So in that context, Krishna gives him this sort of, you're not the body as a, as a remedy to the sort of distraught that he was experiencing. And obviously that should probably not be the case for those who aren't surrendered to us. Um, <laughs> there is an austerity of speech that Christian mentions in the Gita where it should be truthful, but it should not be agitating the others. Mm -hmm. I'm commenting in the purport that unless someone is your student, you should not instruct them. So it seems to me the conversations around how we should communicate compassionately to persons who are experiencing genuine suffering. And obviously, <clears throat> outside of the context of someone surrendering to us, it doesn't seem appropriate to just share philosophical insight with them because that would be insensitive. They don't have the context for that. Maybe they don't have the relationship with us, at least the relationship with student, um, guru and all of that. So that would be insensitive. But I think the other element of our conversation is how we as devotees should understand that. And I also, I, I guess I get concerned sometimes because it, it appears to me that the you're not the body point gets downplayed a lot because it's insensitive. And I wonder that if that sort of culture continues generation after generation, would it start, would it start to eclipse the value of that element to the conversation? The element of you're not being the body, there's a re reality beyond this. If that, if that keeps getting like dismissed or downplayed or ridiculed, as it seems to be sometimes in the social media conversations with devotees, then what will be the long-term effect in terms of our faith in that principle? And that what goes with that principle, what will be the long-term effect on our faith if that continues to be the culture where every time a social issue comes up and this is a response, it just gets eschewed away as insensitive or not relatable and so on. Again, this is in the context of a devotee community understanding the issue. In the right. context of dealing with someone who's dealing with lamentation, their you know the approach will be different depending on if they're your student or not. So I'm just trying to give all the little elements there. Sure, sure. Um, okay, let's take another question here. Do you feel that a society uh, ISKCON needs to do more to protect advocate for people of color? Ekavira Prabhu, do you want to comment on that? Um, ISKCON as a society um, can see itself as a venue to protect everyone that comes into their midst, everyone that comes to Krishna consciousness. And it's important to not make that particular distinction to just an isolated group, people of color. Um, as an institution, we have to see ourselves as, as uh, caretakers for each and every one. Uh, at the same time, if we are become educated also ourselves into actually uh, considering the needs of the individuals when they come, then a person will feel happy and they will feel that this is a place where they are secure, 
where it's home for them. And so uh, it's important for educating the devotees to see how we can reach each and every individual when they come to provide the basic, um, you know, spiritual, social, um, and emotional needs that one may have. Our society is not just a society that provides spiritual knowledge. Our society provides areas that, that deal with the whole person, spiritual, physical, emotional, and social. And, you know, Bhakti Thakur speaks about that. If a society doesn't fulfill these four basic needs, then someone will go outside of the society to have these, these needs fulfilled. So what this person is asking, the devotee, thank you for your question. They're asking about a, a need, physical need, you know, protection. Everyone has this need. And especially women in our society. Women have this, this, this need, a tremendous need uh, for protection. Children have this need, you know, uh, our, yes, our youth. So we, have, we, in general, have to see how we can protect and become more of a protector from everyone in our society. Right. Can I share something on that? Please. Um, yeah, I think something that I've been thinking, well, I do agree that, you know, as a movement, we, we should, you know, try to take care of everyone. I do have the experience that, you know, it's, um, as you know, a as a black devotee, as a devotee in a black body, I do experience that. You know, I feel kind of alienated in a lot of different places that I go, um, and I, I travel a lot. You know, and you know, I've been spent time in India. I spent time in Europe. I spent time you know, all around America, and I do have to say that you know, I have experienced that there is you know not as much. There's not as much, um, you know, I, first of all, there, I don't, I haven't met like a whole lot of black devotees. Of course, I haven't been to you know, like Africa, but I, I, I have experienced, you know, that there's less of us. And I feel like, you know, it's harder, it's harder for us to, you know, for me, I, you know, I've grown up in the movement, so maybe it's easier, but I can see how for other people, it would be harder to adapt to our culture and adapt to our society. And especially now that, like, you know, I, I'm going to have to throw this out there, um, that, you know, there is a, a large increase of, you know, uh, Indian body devotees in our community all over America. And as a person, as a black person, maybe because I've grown up in the movement, it's easier to accept, but it's very difficult to relate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and I think also maybe something that needs to be said is that there is an element, I'm not going to say for all Indians, there is an element of, of kind of racist undertone. And it could be from the culture from previous times or for whatever reason, there is definitely racism in, in between uh, Indian community and, and people in the black body. And so for me, in my experiences of traveling and having experienced that, it's like, I think, you know, like, I shouldn't have to feel like an outsider in America, in an Islam temple. I shouldn't have to feel like I'm uh, kind of, uh, you know, isolated as, as a black body devotee. And so I think that there can be something to be done 
in terms of trying to create more support for uh, black devotees to feel heard and to feel, you know, to feel part of the, of the community. And, you know, it's, um, it's something that I've thought about because I, I find it to be a little bit, um, yeah, it's a little disturbing, <laughs> I can say, you know, to kind of that feeling of like feeling that you are uh, still seen as different, even within your own community. And I think that as a movement, we do need to kind of, we, need, we do need to bring out these discussions. And I think we do need to bring awareness to it because it, racism does unfortunately exist in our movement in different forms. And I think that, you know, uh, um, it's, it's, you know, it, it needs to be dealt with. Because for me, growing up in the movement, I may be able to tolerate it. But for someone joining in the movement where they've already experienced racism, they're already tired of experiencing, feeling like they're different from other people. And so if they come into the diversity community and they're still feeling like I'm the odd one out, you know, and they get tired of it. And it's just like, where can I go to where I won't be treated differently? And so uh, while I, I can't, you know, um, uh, speak to like, you know, more um, um, kind of like outside in the secular world, but I can say from my experience within ISKCON that there's definitely racism and there needs to be something to be done about it because otherwise many devotees will, will go away because I was reminded to feel so I wanted to I was reminded one sannyasi he's not a part of our movement um, but he hangs out around our movement most of the time um, black body sannyasi many of you may know who I'm talking about I do I was in Vrindavan and he was talking to two devotees from Kenya um, black devotees and um, he calls me over he said hey Jai Jagannath come here so I walked over and he looked at all three of us, like very like gravely. He looked at all three of us and he was like, brothers unite. <laughs> <laughs> I never forgot that. And then, and then he began um, kind of like chastising us about what sort of preaching we were doing in the black community. Mm -hmm. And his, his comment to that was that, um, you know, we ain't gonna listen from anybody else. <laughs> you know, that was kind of his stance. Like we're not gonna hear about how to be spiritual from anyone else, if that's just our, the way our communities are. And I found that to be very interesting. And I think it is a good question. It is something that obviously sticks out when you first join the movement that, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm the eyeball out here. And I have plenty of experiences of that. And it's, um, someone may ask, why isn't there more preaching happening in, you know, communities where there are people of color? I think these are pretty big questions that don't have easy answers to them necessarily. Um, so anyway, I'm just pointing out that experience. I, it, it's definitely a good point. Mm. And Bhakti Maharaj is so unique in this regard. Yeah. Our preaching, especially in black communities and so on. Right. That's, that's a good uh, segue into my next question. That's my own personal question, actually. Not my question, but, um, uh, you know, actually, Jonavi Harrison helped me to uh, compile some questions and discussion points. And one of them was, if Bhakti Tirtha Swami was here at this time, what would his reaction be? What would he speak about? Hmm. So can you, can we, can you shed some light on that, please, uh, Rajalila Mataji or Ekavira Prabhu? 
In my experience of Bajitia Tamaraj, um, he definitely always addressed social issues. Mm. At the same time, he did let us know they were social issues. <laughs> we, we always had an understanding clearly that um, I believe I heard a tape of Jai Jagannath Prabhu about podcasts where he was making that distinction between transcendentalism and the things that, you know, go on in, in, in the material world. And these things are going on, as we know, always, right? Um, there's always some misery that we will be affected by. That's just, that's just what the material world is about. Mm. However, Bhaktitir Tamaraj, um, of course, in our institution, I personally, I served Bhaktitir Tamaraj from the time I met him in 1979 until the time that he left his body. And I know that he faced himself a lot of racism, <laughs> you know, and I know that I have seen him cry, you know, personally seen him cry for things that have that do go on in our institution. Um, at the same time, though, he was very clear about how to keep that transcendental focus, help us to aspire for that and to let us understand that, yes, these social things are going on and we can sometimes feel really invisible sometimes, you know, as women, as, you know, black, or, you know, whatever. We, we may sometimes feel invisible because we are in an institution that is predominantly of a different culture. And that culture is changing, surely has changed over the last 15, 20 years. Um, so he would definitely be doing what we're trying to do now. We need each other. We need each other. Let's find ways that we can start the communication. Let's start the dialogue. How we can actually understand each other a little more. Because uh, as Kishir is saying, it's, it's about us trying to connect and care and love ultimately, ultimately. So I think for the fragmentation we may have in our institution that comes from the material world. Remember our institution are made up of people. These people are come from, coming from, they're conditioning from the material world that is organized <laughs> by the best <laughs> of the best <laughs> to keep us all separated and keep us, you know, in ways that there's always some construct of destruction and disturbance and that's just arranged. If we can understand that and we can become bigger than that, if we can become clear about that. And if we can just like, you know, so many devotees are doing that now, really. They're just like, look, especially the younger generation, they're like, hey, I'm, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying into your, you know, whatever, traditional, whatever you may have, right? And even those persons that maybe are ex have expressions of racism, really, they are also a product of our structured society, so to speak, you know? Many of them are not intentionally wanting to hurt. However, they just may not be educated, not be aware. And again, I'm big on educating, educating. Education is so important, you know, helping people to learn cultures, interacting with cultures. It's, it's really important. Um, so Bhattatir Tamaraj, getting back to our Bhattatir Tamaraj, um, I believe he would be doing what we're trying to do now, yeah. connect with each other on a deeper level, have conversations, be open, talk about these things. Let's heal our organization. Yes. yes. It needs healing. Yeah. Very good point. Mm -hmm. Mayor, would you like to add to that? 
know, that's, uh, that's she expressed it so well. He would actually ask each and other was each and every one of us to do soul searching and consider how uh, we could be contributing to, you know, the the things that are taking place in our exterior society and what we could actually do to, you know, be more of our brother and sister's keeper, so to speak. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, just one more thing. Yes, Kishore, please. Sorry. Um, I just wanted to kind of, on the point of education, you know, because, you know, when, when I was mentioning before that the the uh, racism, you know, that education is extremely important because as preachers and as, you know, uh, especially if we're leaders in society, we need to be able to understand how to appreciate people from different cultures. Um, especially in a spiritual society, we have responsibility not only to take care of people physically, mentally, and emotionally, but to speak of spiritually. And if we think that just by um, trying to engage people spiritually, that everything else, in one sense, yes, you know, Christian consciousness can heal all of these. But the thing is, you have to practice it properly. You have to practice it completely. But the thing is that if you're experiencing pain, from being hurt, if you're experiencing pain of being alienated, it is very difficult for you to to really uh, practice Christian consciousness because you're seeing these other people have been around the movement for so long. Why are they still racist? Maybe they're <laughs> people who have been chanting and, and, and they give really nice classes and they travel all over the world and they're still racist. So does Christian consciousness really work? And so we need to understand our position that uh, we are, by not taking seriously these issues of how we're dealing with people uh, and racism being one of them, it's, it means that we are, we are um, in a way, we're sabotaging people's faith. Now, Bhakti Maharaj says that, um, you know, no one can stop us from practicing Christian consciousness except for ourselves. And that means, you know, Krishna is always available to us. But when we're creating a community, you know, so and when we're trying to give people that understanding, that means that, you know, people are coming in with their own experiences. They're coming in with their own, uh, um, you know, pain or whatever baggage that they're carrying with them. And we need to be able to facilitate them to be able to, to uh, we can't facilitate them if we haven't helped them to deal with those things. And so for me, it's like when I experienced, you know, and I wanted to kind of, I feel like I have a kind of duty to kind of go in on this. So forgive me, but um, it, it's like when I, yeah, you know, the, the experience that somebody who I, um, you know, put my trust in as a devotee, you know, because when we come into devotional community, we are hoping we see these people on the street and they look so happy and they look like this and like that. And we feel like these are people who I can trust. You know, these people are going to take care of me. These people are going to, you know, provide me with the things that I haven't had. 
And so when they come into this community, there is an expectation of being cared for. There's an expectation of being respected. And there's an, um, yeah. And there's an expectation of being seen as a soul. Oof, sorry. <laughs> so when that, <clears throat> when that trust is broken, Sorry. It's okay. No, it's okay. Right. Take, it Take your time. Take your time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it feels like you know when that trust is broken, then where where is your shelter? You know, because you're coming into this place looking for shelter. And if the, the same devotees who are on the street giving you that book and telling you you're not your body, if you can't depend on them, where's your shelter? <coughs> Thank you, Kishore. Hmm. And so we should we should understand <coughs> we have to understand the seriousness of our responsibility as devotees. Yes. <coughs> and for me, you know, it's not it's not it's in, in one sense for devotees, racism is even more painful experience. Because it's not just about not these people are not just ignorant, um, you know, demons. You know, these people are devotees. These people are the same people who will get up on the Bhagavatam and criticize all the people in society and say that they're demons. These are the same people who <coughs> who uh, will tell you, um, you know, that you know, uh, you know, you're a nonsense, you know, for not chanting your rounds. And these are the same people who. You know, will tell you that you know you're deviating and this and that, and so it can even be even more confusing. That how is it possible that these people who are practicing guided consciousness are have have made so little progress, and and there and have have so much maturity and irresponsibility as devotional practitioners? Of course, we need to understand that uh, different people are at different places in their devotion that we must accept that not everybody has completely purified their anarchas and their conditioning so we need to accept that and that is why the philosophy of Krishna consciousness can give solace to those who are suffering but not everybody can can assimilate that I've grown up in Krishna consciousness I have I've, I'm around devotees who are experienced I have association with pure devotees and that has given me the ability <laughs> to understand the philosophy for myself. But not everybody has that. And so that's why, you know, when we are going out and preaching and bringing people into our movement, uh, what are they coming into? You know, and, and while I'm speaking on the topic of racism, this applies to all kinds of abuse and mistreatment. 
what are we bringing people into? When we go out on the street and we try and we tell people that Christian consciousness is the way of life, when they come into our movement, what experience are we giving them? That means that <coughs> that experience that they have is our responsibility. <coughs> you know, Bhakti Chirpamachi said, when somebody leaves the movement, we should all feel in some way that we're responsible. <coughs> and this is the culture of Vaishnava. <coughs> you know, this is, this is um, <coughs> real Christian consciousness. And when we, <coughs> when we study the qualities and the dealings of the Vaishnavas, we get a glimpse into real Christian consciousness. We understand that how the Vaishnavas are meant to deal with each other. And if we can't get over uh, societal biases, first of all, it's detrimental to our own spiritual life. Uh, the, that's, that's the first thing. You know, we are already, we are sabotaging our own Christian consciousness. And second of all, you risk destroying the faith of a lot of different people. You know? And so education is important, especially in the leadership position. And when I say leaders, that means if you're a sannyasi, that means you're a leader. If you are a, a temple president, if you're an ashram leader, if you are in management, if you are uh, leading your own preaching community, you know these things. These things are 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 important. And so, if we are not living our own philosophy, then we're just eating people, and we're just trying to increase our members so that we can be respected as a spiritual society, or for whatever the motivation will be. And so we need to understand <coughs> that the the uh, practice of Christian consciousness is supposed to change us. The practice of Christian consciousness, we're supposed to change. We're supposed to transform. Uh, and, and, you know, bhakti is not necessarily limited to having good qualities. Bhakti also means seeing Krishna in everybody. <coughs> and uh, if we can't do that, then we should not call ourselves preachers. We, 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 uh, <coughs> and so for me, you know, it's like, uh, it's something I was talking to Judge Jonathan about, which I thought was funny, is that, you know, devotees who I personally had experience of racism, and they're like, oh, Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, well, where did that come from? <laughs> you know, and of course, you know, people are trying to understand and show support and things like that, so I get it. I'm not saying, like, don't say that. But the thing is, we shouldn't be hypocritical. We need to, we need to, uh, and you know, something that I appreciated that Bhutabhavan was saying is like, we need to, we need to grow up uh, as devotees. We need to mature and we need to learn how to actually take care of each other. And because we're an international society, that means even if you are Indian, even if you're Chinese, even if whatever you are, if someone comes into your community, you have a duty to take care of them no matter what color their skin is. So that means you need to understand how to take care of these people. And if you're not willing to do that, then don't be in a position of leadership. Don't put yourself in a position of, of, of 
taking care of others, you know, because it's very, it's, it's, a, it's a serious responsibility. And so um, what is real, you know, what is real Krishna consciousness? What is real Krishna consciousness? <coughs> and, and, and we've seen it so many times, so many people in our movement being mistreated by other devotees. And yes, we can understand that it's because, you know, they have immaturity in the spiritual life. Well, guess what? You have to grow up. And so, <coughs> and so, you know, it's, it's, and I'm saying it to myself as well. You know, we all need to, to improve on how we deal with each other. And so in our current society, you know, I, you know, as I said, there, there, I think there does need to be some support for the race and, and black body because not only all, not all of them have the first of all privilege of growing up in the movement not all of them have the privilege of a good association that can help them to deal with these kind of things not they don't they don't necessarily have a deep understanding of philosophy <coughs> so i think that um, um we do need to create support and you know, once we've done that, and there's another group of of, of, of devotees that need to be supported, then we need to support them as well. And so, um, while it, we do understand that, you know, um, we are all spirit souls, and we do want to 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 take uh, responsibility for everyone. I mean, inspiring everybody. But the thing is that, for some people, they feel that genuinely. For other people. It's maybe a little bit of a cop out, you know, because they don't want to take responsibility for their behavior. And so, so, um, uh, and, and I've seen it many, many times. And other devotees have have shared with me their experiences, you know, with you know other devotees who who have mistreated them and treat them kind of like with a with a kind of a dismissiveness. And I've experienced that myself, and I'm saying, you know in the Indian community. And I'm not saying with everybody, you know, like for me growing up in the movement, it's like, I can tell immediately when somebody is like being dismissive with me. Because I, I spent a lot of time in India. I identify a lot with Indian culture. Right. And I have lots of friends who are, in, who are Indians. And it's like, I, now I've, I've kind of developed like an antenna, you know, I can tell immediately if I'm interacting with an Indian devotee, if he sees me as a devotee or if he sees me as a black guy, it's, it's like easy. It's, I can tell immediately. And so as much as I am experiencing Christian consciousness, I'm experiencing this con and I can deal with it to a certain extent. It's kind of like, you know, it, it's, it's bewildering, you know, how we're still here. We're still, uh, we're still kind of like stuck in this in this consciousness, you know, and 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 it speaks to it speaks to the power of devotional service, because you you can't you can't get Krishna as a part time devotee. It's not gonna happen. Hmm. <laughs> so if you think that you can maintain your prejudice, you can maintain your 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 looking down on other people. And you're gonna get Krishna is not gonna happen. Because Krishna sees everybody as devotees. Krishna sees everybody as dear to him. And when you leave from the material world, you say, Krishna, you know, I just what can I do? I'm from India. I, I just don't I just don't really like black people. 
He's not even like, oh yeah, I, to- I totally understand. <laughs> all good. You know, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> and you know, I was listening to a seminar about Jutamaj and he was talking about the seriousness of offending devotees and how how that can destroy our own bhakti. And he was saying that, you know, uh, we can't play around with Krishna. You know, it's not a joke. And that's why in Krishna consciousness, it's real. You know, you, you got to do the work. It's not easy. You're not going to get away with, with there's, no, there's no cutting corners. There's no beating on the bush. There's no loopholes. You know, you just have to be real. And, <coughs> and that means uh, <clears throat> dealing with your crap, you know? <laughs> it, means, it means dealing with your stuff. And being and being honest about it, and uh, you know, so I, I look at it in my own self. What are you know? How do I treat people and things like that? And and, and you know, I've been reading <coughs> about uh, I've been reading Brihadaratamrita, and just kind of seeing a whole description of Vrindavan and and the Brajbasis and how simple-hearted they are, how pure-hearted they are. <coughs> <clears throat> and so it's like, you know, we shouldn't think that with our duplicity in our heart that we're going to get bhakti. And and it's not that uh, that Krishna is, um, <clears throat> it's not that Krishna is discriminating uh, against uh, people. You know, it's just that the qualification for bhakti is, you know, if you really want to uh, attain that, you know, Braj bhakti is, is very rare. Braj bhakti is... Um, a special gift, and so um, <coughs> we shouldn't think that we're going to get it by being part-time devotees. <coughs> and so the Vaishnava, sorry, <coughs> so Vaishnava Sadhachar should not be dismissed in the name of philosophy. Uh, uh, the <laughs> when we read, you know, when's the last time we, I was telling Jajayanath, <laughs> when's the last time we looked at the 26 qualities of the devotee and asked ourselves if we're actually living by these? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, we, 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 uh, we can spout so many verses and things like that, but if we're not living by that philosophy, we're not living by that philosophy, and that's not to dismiss the under, the the importance of understanding the philosophy, because without the philosophy, then we're kind of lost, you know. And and so we need to have be grounded in the, in this philosophy, but we need to be living that philosophy as well. So if if you know if Bhakti Chujamraj would would treat people, uh, you know, kind of like dismissively, I'm a monk, you know, I'm 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 detached, you know, I, you know, I, I'm I've controlled my senses. And he treated people in a dismissive way. They probably wouldn't take him as, as seriously. And and so, um, um, I think that, and we need to redefine what it means to have a Vaishnava community. And, and and you know, we get it. Philosophy is important. We we know. We've heard it a billion times. But we want to see if you're going to live that philosophy. And and as and again, our responsibility. It's it's 
in a sense, uh, you know, once it says in the next instruction that once someone begins their devotional service, then they'll automatically be dragged to success. But that doesn't mean that we don't have a responsibility to nurture their Christian consciousness. Because if they, if they, if they uh, become lost from the association of devotees, it will take a really long time, potentially, for them to come back on the path of Christian consciousness. So, so while they may eventually reach success in Christian consciousness, but we still have a responsibility to that. <laughs> and so, um, it's it's not it's 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 everything. When we say everything is in our philosophy, is in it's true. Everything, including our behavior, is described. What is the behavior of a devotee? That is also there. And so, and so, uh, uh, um, you know, the, the, that is also part of it. And if we, if we cannot, if we can't live by by uh, the qualities of a Vaishnava, then we should just stay in the background and work on our stuff, and don't and don't and don't try to to uh, instruct other people, you know, because because. Uh, you know, it requires a little humility, huh? To to accept. Hey, I, I need some. I need some things that I need to work on, and I'm gonna stay low a little bit. You know, so so it's 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 about that responsibility, a responsibility to ourselves to practice Christian consciousness in its totality, and a responsibility to others who we have a duty to share Christian consciousness with. You know, so so um, uh, people. <laughs> and I've seen that um, my experience in New York at the Bucky Center, it was like people weren't even really hearing the philosophy. You know, they were just coming for Kirtan. They weren't, they didn't know anything about the philosophy. And the reason they stayed in our community is because they found a place where they were, <coughs> where they were appreciated. They found a place where <coughs> people appreciated them for more than just their bodies. Uh, they they found a place. <coughs> yeah, they found a place where they they felt that they would be taken care of and they had found shelter. So in Bhagavad says people don't leave because of the philosophy. They leave because they feel that they're not cared for. And so, and so um, this, uh, and so when I think about Vaishnava community, and when it comes to extending to preaching, it means creating shelter for people. First of all, even before telling them the philosophy, it means creating shelter for them. Uh, uh, there's a statement in the first canto of Bhagavatam that says that the acharya is always concerned about the welfare of the conditioned souls. Uh, and so following in Mahajanonyanigatasamina, following in their footsteps, we should also be concerned. That means we're creating shelter for people <coughs> in which they can feel <coughs> and they feel cared for, they feel they feel uh, uh, you know uh, attended to. And when they feel that, they will have full faith in Christian consciousness. You don't have to you know, beg people to come out and hire them because they're going to do it anyways because they see that this process works. 
we don't have to force people to read the books. They're going to do it anyways. Because they see this person is, this person who loves me, this person takes care of me, and they're learning these things. Where are they learning these things? And you say, oh, I'm learning in this book. No. I have learned it from seeing other people who are living this philosophy. <coughs> and so, um, the, and so, um, you know, the, it's creating that shelter for people. That is our responsibility as devotees. And so while while we may not necessarily, I mean, I personally feel like not qualified to speak on, you know, you know the political issues of, of the secular world, but I can say as a devotee, our responsibility is to provide shelter for people. Uh, that is first and foremost. And if we can't do that, then no matter how much philosophy we tell them, uh, and I remember something that I really liked about what Bhaktivedanta said. He said that when people come into the movement, <clears throat> they hear the philosophy, you know, they hear about, you know, how sense gratification and lust can never be satisfied, and there's only suffering in the material world, and then they have an experience which drives them away from Christian consciousness. How much more suffering will they experience? Now that they know the nature of the material world, they can never enjoy the world in the same way ever again. And so they 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 experience such agony that they have nowhere to go. They can't really enjoy the material world, and they feel alienated from the devotional community. And it's very it's a hell, what a hellish life! What a hellish experience of life! And so and so, um, um, if we treated people as as Vaishnavas should, I think maybe. Uh, uh, it would change a lot of things. You know, when people say, uh, and, and I felt like when people were saying, so many people were concerned that devotees were just going to say, you're not your body, you're not your body, you're not your body. And I was thinking, why are they saying that? <laughs> and I think maybe it's because they're experiencing that. That devotees, there's a stereotype that devotees don't care about people and they're just going to throw the philosophy at you. Where is that coming from? It's because people are experiencing that. Uh, and so we have to look at ourselves. We have to look at our communities and ask ourselves: Are we are we treating people like that? Uh, are we are we treating people in a disrespectful way and dismissing our behavior and in, in, in the philosophy? And, and so, uh, uh, you know, uh, so that's 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 something that I, I'm seeing is that. And you see so many times, that, you know, in my thinking about myself, you see like devotees who are kind of like suffering, you know, and, and I know what it's like. I've experienced it. I've experienced you know, depression and all these kind of things. And it's horrible. It's a terrible experience. And the thing is, like, when you're in Krishna consciousness and you feel disconnected from Krishna, it's even more lonely. Mm. Uh, it, it's, it's, and we can see, we see how, like, in religious communities, there's sometimes even higher uh, uh, percentages of suicide and things like that, out of, of feeling shame or guilt uh, 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 and things like that. And so, and so, uh, to to the experience of of knowing that there's no other alternative other than spiritual life, but feeling that that spiritual life you're not experiencing what you'd like to be experiencing, you're not experiencing what they tell you you're supposed to experience when you chant, when you read, and when you do. And it's like it's, it's even it's even more uh, distressful.
because now not only you're feeling <clears throat> not only you're feeling um, uh, alienated from your community, but you're feeling unsuccessful in your spiritual endeavor, and so your your feelings of guilt and shame are are or or, or pain and anxiety are are uh, uh, what's the word uh, you know intensified, and so and so when we see that. Devotees who may feeling, uh, you know, and I'm I'm gonna say in this case, you know, devotees in the black body, who are feeling like, you know, struggling maybe with their sadhana, or feeling like they're not having faith to, to read, they're feeling like I just don't feel connected to Krishna, and it's like, where where will they go to get re-inspired if in their own community they feel alienated? Where will they go to get that spark again? Where they go to get that that um, that push? Like, okay, let's chant together. You know, let's read together. You know, like, I, I started a, a reading group with some of my friends, and it's it's been such a it's been such a um, so enlivening and reinvigorating. And what if in, in when I in, if I was in a community where I needed so much, the association is so bad, and I couldn't get it because the devotees who I'm trying to depend on are dismissing me because of the color of my skin. And what what a, what a painful experience, and so you know uh, when we say you know paradukaduki, you know uh, trying to uh, you know uh, feeling the suffering of others. Uh, are we feeling? Are we actually feeling the suffering of others? Or are we just kind of analyzing it objectively so that we don't have to we don't have to uh, 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 you know accept the reality, you know, and so. Uh, we we can see, you know, we and we seeing that, you know, it, it's it's and it's sad that in our own devotional community that we're so immature, uh, and so and so, um, I think about in myself is like how to how to um, um, become a mature devotee, yeah, and so so. So, uh, anyways. <laughs> Thank you, Mom. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, fine. Kishore, thank you so much. Honestly, uh, the outpouring of support from the comment section is, is just uh, amazing. And you've said so many amazing points. Uh, and I really thank you for being vulnerable. Uh, to, to all 260 people in the world that's watching, uh, you have really healed us in a sort of way. I feel very refreshed. I feel that change is coming. Change is coming. Um, it was supposed to go on for an hour and 30, and we've gone on a little bit longer, which is fine. But I'm going to ask the devotees to give their closing statements. Of course, this is not the last po podcast of, of its kind. I, I think this platform is very nice uh, where we can take questions. We can um, have a lot more than one person at a time. So I'd, I'd just like to ask uh, Rajali Lamataji for your closing statement, please. Hmm. Well, well, firstly, I want to thank you so much for making this possible for all of us. And I want to thank Kishir Prabhu because, um, yeah, you, you totally came from the heart. <laughs> and that's what's important. You know, you're sharing that. We need to feel cared for. And so you, you actually <laughs> must feel all cared for. 
by you being vulnerable to share. I want to thank Jai Jagannath Prabhu for his, he has such a vast knowledge of the scriptures and he's able to practicalize that when he gets in the presence of the devotees because devotees, they, they want to not just hear philosophy from him, they want to be in his association. Yes. Thank yes. you. And thank you very much for that. And this is where we start. This is how we start. This is what we do. We talk. <laughs> we keep talking and we keep doing kirtan and we keep talking. Let's let the conversation go on, please. Let the conversations go on. Thank you. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Ekavira Prabhu, please. Yes. I reiterate, thank you so much, Naam Raj Prabhu. Jagannath Prabhu, Kishore, you just, you know, you, you're like bathed this all and, and, you know, so many inspiring words. There's a saying that the uh, child will lead us. <laughs> it's a proverb, ancient African proverb. And you displayed something that is important for each and every one of us to experience and to tap into, and that's that inner child, that inner innocence, that inner purity, that inner vulnerability. And especially among the association of the devotees, because that opens up all of our hearts. And so thank you so much Prabhu, for everything that you share. And I thank all of the devotees who have uh, tapped into your program today and being present here it's uh it's amazing and uh we pray that you can take the uh whatever we've we've all gotten from this wonderful sangha and we take it and share it among our communities and share it outside of our communities and it would change all of our hearts thank you Prabhu. Jagannath Prabhu, please um i'd like to thank you first nam ross for the invitation I always say to come on your podcast when there's controversial topics to discuss. <laughs> um, thank you to Rajlila and Kavira Prabhu. I, I was embarrassed to be amongst the panel with you all because you're people that we admire for a very long time. Um, and so it's kind of humbling to be amongst seniors you admire so much on the same panel. It feels a little embarrassing. So I want to thank you for tolerating me and, and giving me encouragement as well. A special thank you to Kishore for sharing his heart. Um, I was very not wanting to do this conversation because I know my views seem a little bit overly detached. And so when Namras, you know, he kind of insisted that I come on. So I said, all right. But I was like, I couldn't even get proper rest on it. So this morning I had to call Kishore actually. I called Kishore and he like he like talked me down a little bit for about 40 minutes. And um, so I looked to him for, um, yeah, for solace, really. And just echoing something Jonathan said, he's like a rain cloud. He doesn't say much, but when he does, it's just like a cooling rain cloud. And uh, so very much um, I experience that regularly with him because I talk to him quite a bit. And I'm very grateful to see the greater Vaishnav community experienced that. As far as closing comments are concerned, taking together all the things that we heard, um, I guess in short, there's no shortcut for maturity. Um, unless we, oftentimes, I guess I can speak for myself, 
one feels oneself to be like neophyte and you're like, anyway, it's okay. I'm okay with that. But from the conversation, we're coming to understand that there are like very real consequences for our community um, if we don't actually mature ourselves. And a lot of the problems that we Kishore was bringing up just speaks to the lack, the speaks to the problem of not maturing as a devotee. And mm -hmm. it's made me feel more positive pressure to mature myself. In other words, instead of giving myself a pass, that it's a gradual process, which is the card that one always pulls out when you need a pass for why you're not maybe performing the way you could be performing in bhakti. Um, it's made me realize that there's severe consequences to our community at least, whether to speak of on an individual level, but severe consequences to our community if we don't actually do the work of absorbing ourselves in our principles and actually making the advancement. We will become the losers, of course, but in, in some ways, in a worse way, our community will become the losers or will suffer. And how will we be able to reach out to the world outside of our community when our own communities are suffering so much because we fail to really commit to the process by which we could become mature? So yeah, I guess that's that's kind of what I've derived from all the conversation today, that there is no shortcut for maturity. Very nice, thank you, Prabhu. And uh, before Kishore goes, I just wanna say, um, if there are any, um, you know, you know what, I'll, I'll take, I'll say that afterward. Kishore, please, please take us uh, to your closing statement. Um, uh, well, I just wanted to say I'm very, Oops, sorry. Huh? Uh, sorry. I, I, I fiddled with something. I wanted to make your screen bigger so you can see, we can see more of you, but uh, we'll leave it there. All right, continue. <laughs> Kishore, are you there? Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> well, I just want to say I'm very grateful. Yeah. I just want to say I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Uh, I definitely don't feel uh, qualified no, I, I, I'm a very, but I do believe that as a, as a family of devotees, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I do to, to speak candidly with each other. Uh, maturity doesn't necessarily have to mean a whole long process. It means, it means, you know, uh, discussing with each other and speaking with each other and connecting with each other uh, more intentionally and more regularly and bringing more attention to these topics uh, in a real way. And you don't have to be an advanced devotee to do that. Uh, uh, you can do it from whatever position you're in. Of course, we, we do need to uh, regularly uh, bathe ourselves in the, in the uh, shower of Krishna Bhakti that is required. Um, you know, uh, I've experienced for myself that, you know, reading and chanting and associating with devotees does bring a lot of, of solace to my heart in times of difficulty. And without that, uh, it would be very, very difficult. And so that should always be prioritized. And so uh, as a uh, community of devotees, um, yeah, I, I feel that there are so many other devotees who could speak much better than me and that's a good thing and that means that there's there's um you know there's uh, there's a lot of exciting times ahead and that we should all see think ourselves as important to this movement no one should think that 
they're insignificant because you know they're not famous or popular or whatever because even the famous and popular people can uh <laughs> you know mess up <laughs> so so um um and so we should all think that we are all we need to uh yeah try to improve our community in that way so that everybody feels uh careful so yeah. <laughs> thank you Kishar. appreciate it okay my closing statement is that um i just want to apologize to everybody that i didn't get to uh answer your questions on the comment section there's just a real flood of of, of of conversation so i apologize for that we will do more podcasts like these because i see that there's a, a lot of interest in these very candid very uh honest conversations so I really thank everyone for, for logging in. And um, please check out my, my page, the, the Late Morning Program uh, with Namras on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, we're on all the podcast platforms. And if anyone wants to get in touch with any of these panelists, uh, Jay Jagannath is on Instagram very regularly, Urban Sage Deliberates. Uh, Kishore Gopal is on Facebook. You can find him there. Um, Ekavira Prabhu and Rajalila Mataji, if you'd like to share your um, email, uh, ekaviradasa at gmail.com. Uh, you can get in touch with both of them, I'm sure. And uh, thank you so much, everyone. And I just want to lastly say that if there are any uh, GBC or leaders in our movement listening, give Kishore, give Kishore a, uh, a platform to, to, uh, to be a leader in our movement. This is what he has said is just completely, uh, it, it's what we all needed to hear. And I think the wide uh, world of devotees needs to hear this. And uh, we need more compassion, more humility, uh, more honesty, the way Kishore has uh, expressed that. And I am really, really so honored. Uh, Kishore, honestly, I, was, I didn't think that you were going to say much, to be honest. <laughs> let, me just, let me just be honest for a second. I thought, okay, Kishore is going to say this and that, you know, uh, you know, little things here and there. But you really, really brought this conversation together, and I really, really thank you as your friend, uh, as 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 your uh, comrade, and everything. So thank you, Kishore, appreciate it. And um, everyone, please share this conversation on your Facebook walls and with your friends. And uh, thank you very much to our panelists again. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.